0: Today's episode of 1.37 p.m. is presented by Belvedere Vodka. Your steak is from an organic farm in Argentina, and your suit is from a bespoke tailor in Rome. It's time you knew exactly where your vodka comes from, too. The Lakeside Bartajac Farm and Forested Smogory Farm have been handpicked to create Belvedere's new single estate rye series, where the climate, soil, and terrain, a combo known as terroir, Create completely different taste profiles. Smogori Forest is made from rye, grown on an estate deep in the woods of western Poland, where long summers and a pristine environment help develop a bold, savory vodka. The Lake Bartajak is more subtle and delicate, just like the glacial waters in northern Poland's Lake District. Belvedere vodka. It's a quality choice. Drinking responsibly is too. 1.37
1: 1.37 p.m. Live from the Bar Cart, a look into the style, culture, strength, and grind of the modern day man.
0: Hey, y'all. Welcome to 137 p.m. Live from the Bar Cart. I'm JJ McCorvey, senior editor of The Grind.
1: And I'm Brian Anthony Hernandez, senior editor of Culture. And this week on 137 p.m. Live from the Bar Cart, we have Mari Takahashi, a.k.a. Atomic Mari. She plays video games for a living so we definitely chose the wrong profession um she's also a classically trained ballet dancer and she was a contestant on survivor millennials versus gen x which i am a big fan of and she kicked my ass at Fortnite. she wasn't that good either she even admitted she's not the best gamer in the world she's just a fun gamer well
0: thanks so you're basically saying there's a low bar there was a low bar <laughs>
2: We've had uh, Miyamoto on the channel before, and... uh... What did you and Miyamoto talk about? (laughs) Um, He came on the channel and played games with us, actually. And I love telling this story because it's one of the coolest teaching moments. We were playing Mario Kart with him, and I think it was uh, six of us, and... He came in dead last, like pretty much every time. <laughs> We're like, like, Mr. Miyamoto, like you are yeah. coming in last. And he's like, Yeah, cause it's fun and yeah. it's about playing the game, and that was the coolest teachable moment.
0: Also on today's show is Alex Stupak and David Rodolis. They're the founders of the Mexican restaurant empire in Peon.
3: I think people think restaurants are romantic because it's a romantic idea because they love food the restaurant business is a human business it has a lot of moving parts and the human element is the most complicated part of it so if you're not really ready to yoke that and deal with that uh you're not going to last long
0: here at one thirty-seven p.m we cover the lifestyle of entrepreneurship through music style sports gaming and everything that's trending and that's
1: why i'm thrilled that we had atomic mari on the podcast today but we didn't record her in the studio we went all the way to our twitch studios which are in our offices. Who else has a gaming studio in their office?
0: I mean, we I do. feel pretty blessed.
1: <laughs> what you were really good at was asking her some cool questions about E3 and the gaming trends that are happening in the industry, especially with like Netflix, a non gaming platform, you know, mm-hmm. dipping their toes into the gaming
0: scene. Yeah, we're both uh, very much nerds, and I like that, you know, we could vibe on that level. Uh, so let's see what she had to say. Welcome. How are you feeling today?
2: Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm stoked. <laughs> we played a little bit of Fortnite, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to happy to talk.
1: Why is Fortnite so hot?
2: You know, I, I think it's this new take on uh, shooters, where you know we've seen our classical shooters, and they've always been really serious, mm-hmm. um, but all of a sudden it's in this like fun and like uh, fun colored like happy sort of uh, world but you also bring in these elements uh, that have gotten really popular like in Minecraft where you have to build along uh, with trying to survive. And so I think it brings in this real like survival instinct Mm -hmm. where you know A, you're trying to shoot whoever is trying to shoot at you but you've also built things around you to keep yourself from uh, getting shot and when somebody's shooting something that you have built I feel like it almost taps into this like carnal place where uh, you you take it even more personally um, and you know on top of that with the building it, it allows for more uh, interesting gameplay and more mm-hmm. creative gameplay
1: it's cool. that papa bear mama bear it, mama bear instinct where you just want to like protect what you've felt.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, Minecraft has done a really good job of that over the years where it's like you've you've built a sanctuary for yourself somewhere that you uh, hope is safe and then Mm -hmm. all of a sudden somebody comes knocking on that door and, uh, yeah, I I think it gets you more involved in that game.
0: Yeah. You were speaking earlier about being the game also connecting all of us too. Do you think that's something that we need right now? I don't uh, know.
2: You know, I, I the, the one thing that I've realized from my experience of, you know, getting to play games with, uh, you know, anywhere from, like, UFC fighters to actors to, to uh, you know, musicians, It's it's the thing that brings us all together. At the very base of it, even if we have nothing in common, yeah. we could pick up a controller or throw out a board game and say, all right, these are the rules, this is how you win, totally. and everybody has a really good time. Um, You know, like Ninja, Marshmallow, Ninja, and Drake, like that's a really good example of people who may have never come together, uh, coming together and playing games and having a great time.
1: You mentioned Marshmallow and Ninja. They actually just won a big Fortnite tournament. That's right. Fortnite uh, Mm -hmm.
2: Pro-Am. What was that? Uh, So this was a uh, uh, Pro-Am tournament during E3 that um, Epic Games that makes Fortnite put on and it was a million dollars to charity. For whichever uh, duo team won. And, you know, it was uh, 25 celebrities, 25 uh, players, and not necessarily pro players, but people who are streamers and YouTubers um, and, you know, quote unquote gamers. Mm-hmm. And uh, the winner of that won a million at, for charity, uh, which, uh, like you mentioned, Marshmallow Ninja won, and they donated to the Alzheimer's Association.
1: That's awesome so marshmallow actually for people to know him he's kind of like dead mouse he mm-hmm. wears a mask over his head he's a producer in the EDM world um, how does how does one play with the mask like
2: I have no idea I mean either uh, he's like Terminator and he's got like X-ray. awesome like yeah. UI in yeah, the yeah. Uh, in the uh, mask itself or I don't know I have a uh, I was like, you know, if I was a person who wore a mask, I would totally throw a ringer in there and like get a pro, play- pro player to play for me. I don't think that's what happened. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, he, he certainly had either a disadvantage from the mask or an advantage, I guess, because they couldn't see his like gaming face, mm-hmm. which is usually not great.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I wonder if there was a ringer in there. We could start that investigation I know, right? Now. right? <laughs> All right, at 1.37 p.m., we're all about origin stories. We like to know, you know, you're famous now, but where did you start? You know, I started playing video games because my mother used to be big into Game Boy and Nintendo. I always wanted to beat her score on Tetris. How did you start out?
2: Uh, So I had an older brother and he was 10 years older than me. So we um, always had a console in the house. Um, I'd been dancing ballet since I was two and a half and I'm a second generation ballerina, which means that my mom uh, pretty much put me on the track of dancing and only dancing. (laughs) And so for me, you know, games were just kind of like my way of escaping that dance world. It was my way of carving out time when I was uh, a young kid. And so I really adhere to the Sega Genesis back then, I was like, "This is my console. It's not even my brother's console. I'm like, this is mine." And so, I think that's where the the first sort of like love was for video games. Now, with that said, never did I ever think that it would become a career. Mm. Um, like most people who are in the digital space or influencer space, it's like I, I don't think anyone ever, you know, back then, yeah. aspired to be. What, what we get to be now, you know, it's a different generation now where kids are like, I wanna be a YouTuber, I wanna be an influencer, um, but you know. Where battle. was your
1: turning point for that when you finally thought, oh, this is a viable career for me?
2: You know, it took a long time for me. It, it was an adjustment period of about four years before I really stepped in and decided to let go of my previous career, which was ballet. Um, Cause you know, I mean, I had put in everything into dancing and Uh, all my hours and any extracurricular activities were always for dancing. That was the only track that I was ever on. Um, my, my thing was to master that ability and only do that until I died basically. Mm. Um, so when YouTube started for me, it was literally a gig. I figured it was, you know, an extra 50 bucks that I can earn a week and I was stoked on that. Um, that's all it really was. And Uh, when the channel you know blew up I was still like listen ballet is still my career I can't let go of it Um, it wasn't until I finally moved down to Los Angeles uh, that I made it my my full-time career
0: those two things are so different ballet and gaming (laughs) do you see any similarities between the two fields like I don't know, working with people or?
2: That's a great question and something that I think I can, that people can apply to whatever they're doing. Um, you can always bring in, you know, good and bad things that you've learned at uh, school or other jobs that you've had um, to apply to the next thing that you do. With ballet, you know, the notion that the show must go on no mm-hmm. matter what has been the number one thing for me to be grateful for, for learning. Cause I know, no matter what the situation, it will get done. Yeah. It'll it'll be messy, and it'll it might not be perfect, but it, the job will be done. And um, yeah, you know, I think I was just inoculated to stress and um, you know, like hardships early on, and so whatever is going on um, with this next endeavor, I feel like I can take it on.
1: And we can't have you on our podcast without talking about e3 yeah it just happened it we're in june some of the big games that were talked about there you know fifa 19 pokemon fortnite what were the hot announcements or trailers for you?
2: Um, you know, one of them was actually Fallout 76. I wasn't a huge Fallout fan up until I saw that it was now multiplayer. And the first thing that I think of is how do I create a show around it? How do mm-hmm. I produce a show? Um, and, I, you know, I just now you're in this world, this uh, post-apocalyptic world. You're trying to build around it. and it, you know, There's a lot of building um, and uh, kind of creating your own fortress. It's a huge world. I believe it's four times bigger than the the previous Fallout game. Um, It's multiplayer, and the amount of people you'll see in a game is not that many. So I think when you see those people, it will be a huge surprise. It's very exciting. Um, And also Cyberpunk 2077. That
1: was all their age.
2: Ugh. I mean, people can't stop talking about it. The gameplay
0: it. looks so good. Yeah.
2: yeah. I, I don't know when it will come out is the big question um, because it looks expansive and it mm-hmm. looks gorgeous. I have a feeling it's going to be with the next console. Um, so I, I, I have a feeling it won't be for a little while. Hopefully it won't be the year 2077 when it comes out. Please, uh no. <laughs> Right? <laughs> but it's very, you know, it's, it's adult. I think it... Um, Speaks to uh, us as an audience who've gotten used to the West Worlds of the world, where you know uh, we're looking for more intense storylines. We're looking for um, AI being uh, a really huge part of our lives, and it, to to an extent where it's horrifying mm-hmm. and gross. Um, and, and I think they'll definitely address that.
0: People are really into dystopias right now.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, what's up with that? I wonder. I, I don't know. Mm. Yeah. I, if, <laughs> if, if, if it's not about samurai, if it's not about pirates or Fortnite, then it's about a dystopian yeah. era, era. I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's a reflection of like, you know, the mentality of, of where things are going mm. in the world. I, I'm not sure. But uh, yeah, it's definitely a popular, yeah. popular franchise.
0: Another recent announcement I'm curious to get your thoughts about is Netflix. They announced that they are getting into the gaming industry they're uh coming out with story mode Minecraft, which is so like weird to me. What do you think about that? Like co- all these companies getting into different industries that they have nothing to do with really.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think that's a huge reflection on the gaming industry, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody is grabby hands wanting to get into it, whether it's uh, you know, like NBA players wanting to own esports teams, uh Netflix saying, "Hey, well, we want to get in on this gaming scene." Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's an awesome thing for, for the industry itself. Um, is Netflix, you know, the, the primary company that you think of when it comes to gaming? No. Do they want to be? Probably. Um, can they be? I don't know. I think we'll see. Um, but then starting from, you know, Minecraft is, I think it's brilliant. I mean,
0: I do watch, mostly watch my Netflix through my PS4, so... Mm. It'll make sense.
2: There you go. There you go.
0: Another big announcement at E3
1: Super Smash Ultimate. Yeah and I know you have some strong feelings about the lineup, so they're bringing back all the you characters from tweet. past. I saw your tweet.
2: <laughs> we're Twitter
1: obsessives here. So, um, Cookie Mama. Yes. She's not a character on it. Not no. a
2: character. You know, when, when they were announcing uh, new games and things uh, with the uh, N- Nintendo conference, they started talking about cooking, mm-hmm. and so I thought maybe there was a chance that Cooking Mama was uh, even at least coming to the Switch, and it wasn't. They played you. Maybe she was a new playable character in Smash. It wasn't. It was about Overcooked too. So I'm still on this tirade. I've actually (laughs) talked to to Nintendo execs about this for the past two years. where I'm like, where's cooking, Mama? I don't know. I think, A, I just have an affinity with the brand because, you know, I don't personally cook. I'm terrible at it. Like, I don't know when you should put more salt in something when it should be paprika. I'm just terrible. Um, But I can do it in a game.
1: Yeah, everybody likes a food fight and Cookie Mama would just be perfect.
2: Thank you i mean can you just imagine just like super smash like like curry in people's faces <laughs> it would be hilarious
0: wait but you i want to go back because you said you've been talking to nintendo executives about this yeah like do you regularly collaborate with
2: not regularly with, okay. no but you know we like we've had uh miyamoto on the channel before and uh like I, like I've I've met Reggie and I've interviewed him, yeah. and so that's the president. Of yeah, yeah, it's it's crazy because never in my life did I think that I could just freely say yeah, things like that. Yeah, that's so cool that. to
0: have that kind of stature in the industry where they they these executives want your opinion on what should be happening in their games.
2: Well, I wouldn't say they want my opinion. <laughs> okay, I'm just <laughs> very open about giving my opinion on this particular thing.
0: Right, right. right.
2: What
1: did you and Miramoto talk about?
2: Um, He came on the channel and played games with us, actually. And I love telling this story because it's one of the coolest teaching moments. We were playing Mario Kart with him, and I think it was uh, six of us. Um, And, you know, as somebody who is the creator of the characters that we're playing, Mario, Peach, I mean, like, all, you know, the iconic Nintendo characters, Mm -hmm. you'd think that, that he would have some sort of ego to, like play well, or come in first, or, you know, um, show off that he is, you know, the father of Nintendo, as he is uh, given the title, but... He came in dead last, like, pretty much every time. <laughs> and, like, we weren't trying, yeah. you know, to, to like, annihilate him at all. But, you know, it was one of those things where um, we, I think we just, like, softly, like, mentioned it. We're like, like, Mr. Miyamoto, like, you, yeah. you're coming in last. And he's like, yeah, because it's fun. And yeah. it's about playing the game. And all it's right. about fun. And that was the coolest teachable moment. It blew my mind. Uh, because, you know, I mean, I'm naturally competitive. I like to win, and if I don't, I'm salty. Um, and it just brought me back to, like, why are we doing
0: this? It still must be a little cool to have those kind of bragging rights. Like, <laughs> I spanked
2: the father of Nintendo. <laughs> I mean, I don't know, you know? I mean, it's... It, yeah, I don't know. Who did you okay. play as? Uh, I play as Toad. Okay. Yeah. Or Shy Guy. I like Shy Guy. I like Peach
1: or Kirby. Okay. Oh, yeah. The pinks.
2: I (laughs) like... Yeah, I like Shy Guy because he's got a weird backstory. It's like interestingly dark for a Nintendo sort of lore, so... Mm. Yeah.
1: Aside from video games, alright, I'm a Survivor fanatic. You were on season, I think, 33, Millennials vs. Gen X. That's right. I once watched eight seasons in one month. Don't ask me why, but I did it. One of them was yours. (laughs) How was that experience? Because that's just one big giant game.
2: Yeah. um, You know, the experience was something that I don't think I could have ever replicated because, um, I mean, imagine having, you know, like your core friends and the people who support you and having your, you know, the daily pillars of your life, whether it's the, you know, office you come into or just, you know, the support system that you have in your life strip them away, strip everything that is about yourself and what is left. And that's what I was dealt, you know, that's what I dealt with. And I realized at the end of it, I'm still like this really scared, raw, like 15 year old kid who's like bad at communication and um, you know, just, just awkward. And uh, it, it was awesome. It was awesome to remember that and awesome to know that. I came back so grateful. Um, and yeah, I I don't think I could have replicated that sort of thing. You know, you could go to therapies, you can, you know, go to retreats and try to get to like the bare bones of who you are, but that was literally stripping everything away from you.
1: Oh, definitely. You were the victim of one of Survivor's biggest concepts, the blind side. You were eliminated in a shocking elimination where no one knew that was going to happen going in. Um, Do you have trust issues now because of that? Because that was a savage season.
2: Oh, no. I don't think, you know, to be quite honest, I think it's just the contrary. Um, I, I see it as, I think it was probably my error in not, Seeking more questions out. It was. I see it as what. What can I do to fix it? I don't think that it's a trust issue thing from from an outside perspective, um, because everyone is out there playing the game, um, and I really did think that I was going in there to play hard. You know, my hair was fire red and I had a mohawk, and I'm like, we're game, we're going in. Um, but yeah, I I think it was just my error in not getting to. Um, just not asking questions and not getting to know more people and perhaps being more compassionate with how people were feeling. Um, Because I assumed, I'm like, you're fine, right? You're good, we're good. And it it was a really good lesson to be like, no, let's sit down and chat more.
1: Probe a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I think Michaela orchestrated that blindside or helped orchestrate it.
2: it. She helped, but it was actually Michelle.
1: Michelle, that's right. Yeah, and
2: and she was not really, um, you know, she she baited it in the sense that she really was in the shadows, um, which is how you're supposed to play. And you know, my my mind was set on um, just just thinking that it was it was cool. And maybe that was my error.
0: (laughs) Looking forward uh, over the gaming landscape, I guess over the next year or so, what other trends do you think people should be aware of going forward?
2: You know, I think eSports is big. Mm -hmm. I think it's becoming a household name. Um, I think we're still looking at just the tip of the iceberg. I really do. And I mean, if you're an investor, if you're thinking about it, I think you should get into esports. I think it's going to be huge. Um, You know, I think in 30 years it will be just the regular thing that you put on TV, just the way that you're like, uh, you know, like the office is on or whatever that's a really old reference i guess i don't know (laughs) what's trending 13 reasons why i'm not sure but it's like um yeah i think it's just going to be one of those things where where everyone's going to be like hey did you watch the game this past weekend it could be about football or it could be about you know um csgo Mm. so yeah i think the 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 gaming industry is only growing Yeah,
0: I agree. There's also VR that's becoming really big.
2: VR is getting big, you know, it's still at that point where it feels clunky for me. Um, I'd love to get to the place where it's as, uh, you know, uh, like... I don't know. I'm personally more invested in AR, Mm. which is, you know, like I want my screen to look like uh, like Iron Man's grid Mm -hmm. where it's like I can still see you. And then like your Facebook status pops up and I'm like, oh, how's this and that? Oh, how's your dog? You know, whatever it is. I think that is a more practical use of uh, AR technology than... you know.
0: The whole immersive world with the right. headset and like... You with
2: that yeah. said, it is beautiful. You just get really sweaty. Yeah. Maybe I just need to get rid of my sweat glands and then I'll enjoy it more.
0: Right. Or you can like just invent something that absorbs the sweat from around the <laughs> right. the, the device. Because
2: man, like... Hey, uh, sharing the vi- the the visor with yeah. other people is can, just kind of be
0: gross,
1: especially yeah. at like a conference. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Yeah,
2: those things get uh, foggy.
1: Yeah, and they need to design them better. I feel like they mess up your hair too much. Right,
2: and you need to come not. with like an internal fan yeah. so that your just mm-hmm. eyes stay like. Nice and dry,
1: mm-hmm. yeah. Do you and your hubby play together?
2: We do. What do you play? Um, we make sure that we're not playing uh, games that, w- that are, were against each other because <laughs> uh, there have been too many nights where we're like, oh my gosh, let's play Street Fighter, and then we don't talk to each other for the rest um. of the night. So um, right now we're playing on two consoles, on two monitors, side by side, God of War. Um.
0: I just bought God of War like a week ago and oh. I haven't like the 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 first kind of monsters that come out of the woods, come out of the forest and just like pounce on you mm-hmm. and your son. I haven't figured out how to beat them yet. So, <laughs> any advice you could give there? Uh, uh,
2: you know, the cool thing about the New God of War is that uh, I think they took a page out of, you know, like Bloodborne's book and even The Witcher. Like, th- I think it's it's a little bit more than just like a button mashing game now. Totally. You, you have to You have to roll and you have to back away from fights. You can't, and just like just pounce on them right. the, the way that you want to um and you know kratos he's he's an older guy yeah now, totally so he's gotta, it takes like, a little more yeah, strategy yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. gotta be a little bit sense. more strategy um but yeah I, I think there's a lot of game mechanics in there that makes it really interesting yeah yeah yeah
0: so when, so when you and your husband play, back to Brian's question, are you, are one of you Kratos and the others the son?
2: No, we're literally going through the exact same story on two different monitors. Nice. Um, and so it, we take a long time because we're the same person in this fact that we like to look at every nook and cranny in the world. And mm-hmm. we're like, what if we missed this? And if the other person misses it, we got to go back. And so, yeah, it's. It, I'm glad that it's this beautiful, expansive, cinematic totally. world because uh, it's really easy to get lost in, mm-hmm. in it. Um, so yeah, we, we, we play that and uh, we play Minecraft as well.
1: I feel like the way you play on different consoles is the key to a healthy relationship.
2: Probably. Yeah, like this is your game and this yeah. is my game. You don't touch this console. <laughs>
1: it's yeah. the same with me in board games. So you, like, you play Settlers of Catan and you want to kill the other person.
2: <laughs> <hitting> <game.
1: laughs> All right. So uh, what's next for you? We know you're from L.A. Yep. But you're here in New York right now. What are you doing here?
2: Um, I was here for a campaign uh, talking about actually eye health Uh, since, you know, you all of us look at screens all day, whether it's like TV or phones or, you know, monitors Um, It's just talking about like, uh, you know, figure it out and you don't have to take away your phones or anything but like there's stuff like night mode and like Mm -hmm. pc glasses um so yeah that's why i'm out here in new york um but i've got a bunch of conventions coming up vidcon comic con con, uh, conference in brazil um and then hopefully i don't have to travel for more than three days at a time so
1: (laughs) all right we talked about what's next Who's next, though, in the industry? Who's who's in the gaming space that's impressing you, like the creators? Oh,
2: boy. I mean, he's already doing a lot of work. Um, but I got to say Xavier Woods, up, up, down, down. I mean, this is, this is somebody who was uh, or is a WWE superstar. And he said, I have a passion outside of wrestling that is so big. Mm-hmm. I want to start something. And now he's roped in other superstars it's it's grown into this uh passion project not just for him but the people around him as well and i think it was so smart i mean what what better thing to bring in with uh wrestling as as games it's perfect yeah
1: yeah that competitive spirit already exists so
0: it's totally perfect
2: yeah and then you know having filmed with them a few times like they're pure entertainers they know how to turn it you know like lightning speed on, and when they're on, I mean, it's the most entertaining thing, it's dope. Um, I can't think of like a better host than WWE superstars. They're so dynamic, they're so charismatic, yeah.
0: You mentioned earlier Sega Genesis, and I really wanted to ask, so I fell in love with uh, Sonic the Hedgehog 2, not the first <laughs> one, because was it was kind of lame, but the second one was amazing, Dr. Robotnik, um, Tails, this mm-hmm. little sidekick that kept getting lost. Sometimes I would try to kill him on uh, on purpose. Uh, <laughs> so what was like your very first game uh, that you fell in love with?
2: It was Mortal Kombat. Yeah. Yeah, so yes. my uh, neighbor had a uh, SNES. I had the Genesis. We would play Street Fighter 2 over there. We would play Mortal Kombat at my house. <laughs> we, I... I think we were both in it, but we were uh, we signed up for a Mortal Kombat tournament at Blockbuster Video, oh and I won it, and I was so stoked. Like I'll I'll never compete in any game. Any? Can I just point out ever, that we've mentioned
0: both Netflix and Blockbuster in one episode. <laughs> Change. Change.
2: Millennials, are we? <laughs> Wait, who was your character? Who'd you win with? Oh, Scorpion, of course. My
0: skills.
2: Because all I did was be extremely cheap, Harpoon and Uppercut over and over and over again. <laughs> was, um, what
0: do you call that? Uh, spamming. Yes. yes yeah, yeah <laughs> that was
2: just extremely cheap. But yeah, it's, it's one of those games that I think I'll never get out of my head. You know, like the blood code is like, like, it's just. It's, it's etched into my brain forever, A, B, A, C, A, B, B. Like, I'll never yeah. forget it.
0: So you must really like Injustice 2 then because there are a lot of Mortal Kombat characters in that. You'd, that's my, that's my game. you think
2: it's too hard. What? It didn't, I feel like Mortal Kombat, you didn't used to be that hard and then now it's like, oh, this is speaking to the r- serious gamers. If you haven't figured it out, I'm not great at video games. I'm just, <laughs> are you I'm just both? apparently entertaining when I play these games. Um, I don't know,
0: when we played Fortnite earlier. You did pretty well. I died like instantly and you like
2: It was our team's fault. It's okay. not your fault okay. that you died.
0: Thank you. Thank you for that. <laughs> like I will go into my weekend feeling good about myself. There you go. No. <laughs> there you go. It was
2: my team's fault. Um but yeah, you know it's it's one of those things where um I think, you know, like Ninja is a prime example of somebody who is extremely talented at what he does, and he's made a name for himself. Um, but anyone trying to get into this into this industry can also be somebody like me who's not a professional by any means, yeah. um, but has a true affinity for it. I come as a fan first, and I think that's one of the reasons why brands love working with me, because... I, you know, at, at, at the 30 minute mark of a meeting, I'm like, all right, so what can we do? But at, for the first half hour, I'm like, let's talk about, yeah. oh my gosh, <laughs> hey, and then this, you know? So I think being excited about your work, whatever you're doing yeah. is really important.
0: It makes it more genuine.
2: Yeah, and, yeah. It, and it'll keep you going. I'm eight years running in this business and it's like, uh, every day I'm grateful, I pff, hello. I don't, you know, like, two years ago, eight years ago, ten years ago, I would have never thought that I'd be sitting here getting to talk about video games. Yeah.
1: Maybe, Mari, we know you're busy, so thanks for stopping by live from the bar cart.
2: Thank you. Thank you for having me. It was a blast.
0: That was Mari Takahashi, a.k.a. Atomic Mari. Follow her on Twitter, at Atomic Mari, and if you want to see some of her new stuff, go to the YouTube channel Smosh Games. She was very awesome to talk to, Um, we talked about her love of Mortal Kombat. And her getting blindsided
1: on Survivor, which, like, was my favorite part of the interview. Since, uh, Survivor Nut watched eight seasons in one month once. She thought that was creepy. Um, it it was creepy.
0: She's done a lot of different things, too, in her career. She's a trained ballerina, also on Survivor, also a gamer. Like, what do you think, like, that?
1: I think she's a millennial multi-hyphenate. It's what people, granted, today do. They do more than one thing. It's true. All right, it's almost time for our latest launch. But before we get to that, J.J. caught up with the owners of the Mexican restaurant empire, Empeon. What'd you talk about?
0: We talked about how to make it as a restaurateur and what type of personality, what kind of traits you need to have to start a business in the restaurant industry. Like, You can't just start a restaurant in hopes of getting rich because then you're going to get tired of it really quickly. All
1: right, let's hear what they taught you.
0: Gentlemen, we're excited to have you. So, I want to jump right into to Empion and how you guys started it, you know, when you met, how you became partners, um, so you, I think you opened your first restaurant in 2012? Uh 2011, 2011 I think. Okay. Right? 11. Yeah. All right. Tell me the, the story of how you met and why you decided to partner up.
3: Sure. Um, I'll start. I mean... Uh I, I was a pastry chef uh, for about 10 years, and I had this idea of departing from that in a big way. Yeah, uh, I wanted to do Mexican cooking, I wanted to do it in an unusual way, and I came up with the idea for Empeon. Uh, what I basically did was, to make a long story short, is that I was cold calling investors and trying to get them to come to my apartment in Williamsburg where I could cook for them and and, wow. and just explain what was going on, which was a terrible experience by the way. Yeah. Um, no one believed in it. Everyone thought that Mexicans should be QSR and burritos, and I was doing something a lot more elaborate. Um, but one one of the people who sat in on those dinners eventually was David Rodolitz, um, and the rest is history.
4: Yeah, so I got, I got a little lucky on this one. I was ending a nightlife career towards my late 20s, mm-hmm. and I had a mutual friend of Chef's that uh, had met Chef and, and enjoyed a lot of his food and, and actually brought me into the table when— Alex had already conceptualized Mpailin in his head, but nothing was activated at that point, so.
0: Do you just call him Chef? I call him Chef, everybody. You call him
4: Chef, chef. you get stabbed in the eye. Okay. It's pretty simple, so. I honestly, it it was a bit of luck and timing for me, and I I met Chef and, um, you know, started activating and partnering up and and helping make the vision come to life, and we opened our first restaurant in 2011.
0: And that was Taqueria? That Uh was, yep. Awesome. so uh, I think it's very really interesting, you know, you both work in the restaurant industry, obviously, but your experience as entrepreneurs, I think, is pretty different. It's pretty complementary. Uh, Alex, as you said, you've been a chef for years. You started in high school uh-huh. right, learning about the culinary arts. David, you're also the founder of Impulse, um, an event production company. Sure. So uh, talk about how you two work together and how your backgrounds complement one another. Chef, sure, you want to should, go for, that? You go I for stab it. At that.
3: Yep. I mean, quite simply, we do divide and conquer. Um, I mean, I I'm a chef first, so I'm definitely much more focused on the kitchen. When I opened my, when we opened the first restaurant, um, I was only focused on the kitchen, and it took about 18 months later to kind of realize I I had a restaurant that I didn't really love, and mm-hmm. I didn't understand why I was going through these emotions, and I couldn't put my finger on it, yeah. and so my role has evolved uh, quite a bit where again, I would say if, if the food is a product uh, or the restaurant is a product, we, we've we kind of changed our view and we're, we're looking at the restaurant or Empeon as a holistic brand. Mm-hmm. You know, if you think about it, a, a restaurant is a product, it serves a purpose, right? So you need a Mexican re- good Mexican restaurant in your neighborhood. That would be a product filling a need. Whereas our goal is, man, I want Empeon or man, I mm-hmm. just had Empeon. You know, you know we have a good brand when people are bragging about that they just experienced it. Um, so Simply put, I focus more on the food, uh, but David focuses much more on the service in the front, but that's an oversimplification. We really do meet up in the middle, yeah. and it's really about syncing up that message, and that message can manifest in so many different ways. It's it's the food on the plate. It's the plate itself. It's the drink in the glass. It's the environment that it manifests in. It's the website. It's the colors. It's the yeah. logo. It's the, the messaging. It's the way you train your staff. Yeah. Um, that makes sense.
4: Yeah, really? no, that, that's pretty accurate. I mean, we probably talk thirty times a day, and or meet and have meals and drinks, Are and you
0: texting all day.
4: We're texting, we're talking. You know, we have a we now have four venues under our under our umbrella, so you know, we're always in different spots running around, but we try to sync up via call or text or you know meetings at least you know once a day. Um, I'm always thinking about things from the guest perspective and and more of the front of house standpoint, and yeah. and chef uh, as he said he, he's. Way more than just from the backside he 's overarching all parts of the business, so we think about everything, we talk about everything, and you know in the beginning i 'd say it wasn 't where it is now. there was definitely um, a difference in in thought process and and what we should do for our brand and our customers. but now we kind of match up creativity and and also what the guest wants and find this this nice you know midpoint that's thoughtful, creative, scalable, sustainable and yeah so we just talk through it every day.
0: Yeah. Alex, I'm very interested in something you said earlier about creating an experience. Um, And I find that, you know, I've covered business for a a few years now, and I find that the best, the most successful companies um, make, uh, they create, they don't just create a product, like you said. The whole experience is, you know, the brand, right? So you think about Amazon, for example, Amazon. You know, there's Amazon Prime, and what do you get in Amazon Prime? There's Amazon Prime Video. There's two-day shipping. There is uh, the Kindle Library. You know, um, so t- talk. Tell me about how you have created an experience with the Empyrean Empire, and how, and, and what function each of the restaurants kind of serve. Because I've read you. You mentioned something. Um, like, there's four tiers of service sure. in, in the empire, and I thought that was really interesting. Talk about that. Yeah,
3: so, I mean, starting with the brand part, I mean, I mean we'll break it down into our world, which is restaurants. So, yeah, uh, wh- the very core of what a restaurant has to do is serve food and drink and good service and hospitality in an environment. Yeah. So, you can do that and nail that, but that, to me, doesn't mean you have a brand. To me, the th- that's just the core basic right. compet- competencies you need. To me, what shifts is the story, the the plot behind it, the reasoning, the the director's commentary, if you will. Um, for me, the best brands leave the consumer or the client with an emotional touch point. You know what I mean? So it's like, so to speak, if, if someone you can explain a dish, but then if someone has that and they're excited by it and they're explaining what they had because that information is there to to a stranger. So, I mean, proverbially you're, they're preaching the gospel for you. That's to me the beginning that you kind of know that you have a brand. You know what I mean? It, it's that customers have an emotional connection to it and different customers might have different emotional connections. You, you know, some people, it might be subconscious. They, it might be because the music is so special or some people because they um, know about my background or maybe it's because they read a blog post that I wrote and read the backstory and they were excited to have that dish. You know it's mean? They could almost taste it before they had it. You know, so that's the difference. Um, as far as the tiers to our brand, so it's it's a little complicated, but it makes sense to me. Um, again, I think most brands, the way they approach things is to be consistent as hell and be as repetitive as hell Um, and we're certainly striving for consistency but one of the meta goals of our brand is to change the perception of an an entire genre of dining and what's built into that is a problem because when it comes to Mexican cooking people tend to relegate it to the economic ghetto people think Mexican food should be cheap and that's not the only cuisine that suffers that in America you know Indian cool. yeah exactly Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so to prove a point Empeon, it's important that Empeon runs the gamut of price point. Mm-hmm. So we need, uh, and I don't like saying low-end and high-end because that's pejorative to me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Cheap food should be awesome and expensive food should be awesome. It should all be awesome. Yeah. So we don't like to say low-end and high-end, but we have extremely inexpensive concept on one end. And on the other end of the spectrum, we have what I would call expensive. Mm-hmm. And the point of that, so, so you get it, we're, we're kind of running the gamut in terms of price point. But that's to prove that this cuisine can go in any direction, just like any other cuisine can. There's cheap and expensive Italian food in New York yeah. City, and there's cheap and expensive sushi in New York City. Mm-hmm. So uh, our genre has to prove that we can break that glass ceiling. So we have a dive bar in the corner of Saint Martinet, and most expensive thing on the menu is fifteen dollars. Mm-hmm. And we have a flagship in the you know in the heart of of commerce at at five ten Madison Avenue. Mm-hmm. And there I, again, it's you, we have no problem putting a forty-two dollar main course on the menu, and that's someone might say, well, that's expensive for Mexican. Right. But see, the fact of the matter is, we're actually inexpensive by midtown standards. Right. So it's totally. we, and we do that, and, and it is a fight. It is a struggle because you you do get you will get a, a certain set of backlash from a certain percentage of your of your customers. But again,
0: that just means the brand isn't right for them. I think to your point, a lot of um, people just kinda of start restaurants, you know, and sure uh, you That's know, why New a York high City failure that, rate. Exactly. Yeah. People think
3: it's fun. It's like again, it's, it's food. And, we, and we're like, in
0: New York City, you know, there's a glut of restaurants, you know, like and and you see the, you know, for sale sign <laughs> often, like within months.
4: There's a lot of people getting into an industry that don't have any point or or experience actually doing it. There aren't there really aren't a lot of barriers to entry. You just yeah. need a little bit of cash. Yeah. Yeah. So it's and, not like most other industries and you just find a lot of people Operating and trying to do what we do, and yeah. you see that high failure rate because they really don't have the experience or the yeah. abilities or the resources. I think yeah. people
3: think restaurants are romantic because it's a romantic idea because they love food. You know what I mean? It's like, you would never go to a lawyer and be like, hey, why don't you just come over to my house and look at these documents for me, just for fun. Yeah, yeah. Or, hey, you're a mechanic, why don't you just come over and, and you know take a look at my car. Yeah. But people do that to chefs all the time. They're like, oh, you want to just come over to my house and cook? Yeah. You know, what I mean, it's like, well, I you know what I mean. Like, yeah, it, yeah. It, it, there's because food is something you <laughs> experience all the time because you need it. You yeah. need to eat to live. In um, that way, I I think people uh, there's a, there's a, it's more common. Yeah. So people don't place the value on it, and then sometimes people think they can just jump into the restaurant business. The restaurant business is a human business. It has a lot of moving parts, and the human element is the most complicated part of it. So if you're not really ready to Yoke that and deal with that, uh, you're not going to last long.
0: Right, right. I want to bring us up to now. (laughs) You have some exciting things happening. So, um, last month you acquired Salvation Taco, right? Um, And Alex, you recently said in in an interview that you're, you know, right now you're behind the scenes um, uh, kind of observing and like, you know, planning your next move before. Kind of making Salvation Taco look more like Empayon uh, mm-hmm. Al Pastor. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, what exactly are you guys observing about the <laughs> about the, the situation there? Well, I mean, first of
3: all, for the record, we're not going to speak negatively about Salvation Taco. I mean, April Bloomfield is. Uh, a chef that I admire and that I'm definitely friendly with. Mm-hmm. Um, at the end of the day, for whatever reason, um, it didn't work out w- between them and the hotel owner. Um, we looked at the situation, and I mean, at the end of the day, the place was functioning like a bar. Um, it's certainly people are enjoying it like a restaurant, but you know, you can just look at information. If you're selling more alcohol than food, mm. you're a bar by definition. Um, And we really looked at it as an opportunity because we have a bar on the corner of St. Mark's and A. And we were like, well, we've been playing the bar game and it's an opportunity for us to look at it and go, well, can we do it better? Mm. So we immediately wanted to make it Empeon El Pastor. And that gets particularly exciting as an entrepreneur because now now once we have two of the same name, I look at it as, well, now you have a new vertical. Mm. You have a new vertical. And it really forces you to go through the DNA of everything and go like, well, w- maybe we could scale 10 of these. Mm. But that makes you face the question of like, do you really love it? You, right. love, you really love something so much and you're so arrogant that you think the world needs 10 of these? I mean, that's kind of a bold statement when you, when you launch a vertical like that. Right. Um, but I mean, in terms of observation, I mean, really quite simply, it's like we, we arrived and there's um, a lovely team of people there. So our top concern is preserving them. You know what I mean? But there's a sensitivity to it, too, because at the end of the day, people generally don't like change, from my experience. So people have been doing things a certain way. It's not a right way or wrong way. It's just different than our brand standards. So, I mean, and this is very new for us, but this is a a game of assimilation. So, I mean, over the course of the next three months, we will be converting everything.
4: Yeah, it, it, it's a tremendous opportunity for us. We they did a lot right there. That's why it, the business is doing well, and now I think we're just putting our personal touch on it and and turning it into an Impala flag in, in the next few months, but um yeah.
0: Yeah. Kind of my last question for you is I would like for each of you to tell me what your favorite Impion dish is. Oh, and geez. you can't like give me options. Like you got to like you can't do three. I, I, you the,
3: at this point um, I, I still create all the dishes uh-huh. for, for a band, more or less so they all have um, uh, they all have meaning to me. I, I can't give you a favorite I can say this I can say that the ones that I personally love the most mm-hmm. are the ones that sell the least. Mm. <laughs> I, I I I like the ones that are um I guess the most chefy the most weirdest because like I'm a chef when I eat at other people's restaurants mm-hmm. the most unusual thing that's the thing I'm going to order. Yeah. Um, You're like I did that I'm a. Genius. i am a do not I don't I don't <laughs> I don't order chicken in restaurants. Yeah. Um, because it's it's chicken. It's chicken. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, and not, that, that's not to say that chicken can't be great. Um, but yeah, you get so like like at five ten Madison I'll give you I can't say the favorite dish but. At f five, at, at 510 Madison, we serve guacamole, which is the number one seller. And, but in that restaurant, we created a section where we're like, well, let's put some other things in there that you could start your meal with. Mm-hmm. So my favorite thing is this dish of lettuce leaves in that section. We take lettuce leaves and we serve them as other restaurants would serve crudite. So it's uh-huh. a salad that you eat with your hands and we serve it with this salsa verde mousseline and we season the leaves with this mineral water that was infused with sea salt and black pepper and I love it Um, but I probably sell like three a day
4: (laughs) whereas the guacamole we probably sell 3,000 a day
0: right
4: right right. and I I would probably say that uh, you know what what our guests normally like is normally what I like so I'm Mm -hmm. the opposite of of Alex here Um, we have a crab nachos dish at 510 Madison that is just off the charts there's beautiful uni on top of it it's it's just—it's unbelievable. And I'd probably say our pastrami taco, that we serve at both Taqueria and Five Ten Madison, is—it's just—it's so New York. It's—it's it's incredible. So good. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, well, thank you, guys. I, I know you, that you're busy, uh, so I appreciate you coming to talk with us. Um, thanks for stopping by live from the bar cart with one thirty seven p.m. And I'm going to try to get me some reservations to NPA this week. Just holler at me. <laughs> Gatekeepers right here. My yeah, you got is me. Right now. That was Alex Stupak and David Rodolitz from NPA They were extremely nice and really fun to talk to. I learned a lot.
1: All right, guys, it's time for latest launch, where we recommend three things that we're excited about. Brought to you by Belvedere. And last week, we actually predicted something. So we're psychics. What do we predict, JJ?
0: We predicted
1: everything is love. Which is Beyonce and Jay-Z's joint album as the Carters. Uh, We were just joking about Beyonce releasing an album because Mm -hmm. she does it in a surprise way all the time, Mm -hmm. and she actually
0: did it. And we told you guys, we said we would tell you preemptively, just in case now brian i don't know i know you have a lot of industry uh contact so i don't know if you got the heads up but you just didn't know and that's why we slipped it in there i don't know but it's true like literally a few days after this podcast came out beyonce and jay-z released everything is love they did on title on title um but that's not our latest lunch. yes we just wanted to make sure y'all knew That we predict the stuff up in here. Yeah. So let's predict some more.
1: This is Latest Launch. A review of the latest tech, entertainment, and products the 137 team is indulging in. Ignition sequence. My latest launch this week is The Incredibles 2. It's obviously the sequel to the massively successful 2004 movie The Incredibles. And this sequel just broke the box office record for best animated film opening ever. Ever? Ever. With 180 million domestic sales. It beat out Finding Dory, which was 135 million. So it only, didn't only beat it out, it shattered the record, which is pretty
0: amazing. I gotta find somebody to go with
1: well, You know, I might go by One myself. One of your 100 Tinder dates every week.
0: Oh! <laughs> swipe <laughs> break, shade so early in the in the afternoon. My latest launch is a partnership between uh, the app uh, Headspace, which uh, offers guided meditations, and Nike, which of course everybody knows Nike. Uh, so, I've always been a fan of Headspace. Um, I There have been a many days where, you know, I've been on deadline or, like, just having a stressful day at work, and I've put on my earbuds and play some Headspace and, like, let that really cool British guy, like, just talk me down from uh, these skyscrapers that I'm standing on in my head. Wait, so I'm confused.
1: It's a calming app, but it's partnering with a activewear company... What are they
0: trying to do? So that's a really good question, Brian. So what they're doing is uh, they are partnering to offer guided runs for people who uh, want to feel more calm and uh, present during their runs. I mean, I can't really tell you this from experience because <laughs> I can't run from here to the other side of this room. But, um, yeah, so running, you know, it can you can get easily distracted you can um, you know start focusing on how your body feels and how you're out of breath and like how you're sweating and how you just want to stop but uh, Headspace is partnering with Nike and their app the Nike Run Club app uh, to offer these guided meditations and these guided runs so that you can feel more centered and calm, calmed during uh your run which i think is really cool because i'm all for this um this mainstreaming of uh, meditation and wellness and um and mental health and like just being centered so let's get into the next latest launch it's the belvedere single estate rye
1: vodka called smogery forest and we're actually drinking it right now it's pretty tasty on the rocks
0: It is very good. It's smooth. There is a kind of a smoky flavor to it.
1: And that's because the flavors we're actually tasting in the Smokery Forest are salted caramel, white pepper, and you know those honey-kissed hints. And they're all from one area. That's why it's called Single Estate. It's in this vast woodland from Poland. And that's what we're tasting when we're sipping it straight.
0: Yeah. And it's so good. It's like the flavors are so layered. Um, you can taste all those notes that you just mentioned, Brian. We're drinking it right now over ice by itself, and it tastes like a regular cocktail as you order at the bar. Because we fancy. We fancy.
1: I think the differentiator for this drink is that I'm drinking it on the rocks right now, like you just mentioned, but you normally don't do that with vodka, because you normally mix it with something to kind of take that harshness out of it, and this is smoother than that kind of like what you would taste with a different
0: liquor. Yeah, same. I usually never actually don't even not even usually. I never drink vodka by itself because of that strong alcoholic taste. And we're just sitting here drinking this on the rocks with ice and you know, it tastes like we mixed it with something.
1: It's- JJ, there are actually two single state rye vodkas mm-hmm. and we're drinking the Smokery Forest right now. So good. Next week I'm
0: excited to try Lake Bardzasak. And just remember Belvedere is quality choice
1: and drinking responsibly is too that's right cheers and that was 137 pm live from the bar cart woo, woo. <laughs> and you could follow 137 pm on twitter at the number one number three number seven p.m.
0: that's right and follow us on instagram at ome 37pm and to follow us your very
1: amazing host I hope you think so leave a review uh, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram
0: at BaJournalist. Bah. Like the sheep sound, yes. And how can they follow you? You can follow me at JJMCCORVEY on Twitter. And remember, if you want to own your future, start this minute. That was one
1: thirty-seven p.m. Live, live from, from the, the Bar cart. cart.
3: Live from the Bar Cart is a Gallery Media production.